0: Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Hello. Uh- Hello. It's lovely to see you. Um, and it's lovely to be seen by you and mm-hmm. by uh people who are watching this on Patreon. Ah. All right. How's the week treating you so far? Oh dear. Um
1: I, I said that like it's a big deal. Like the week has been fine. Okay. Um it's been nice uh when this episode comes out, I will be in San Francisco. Oh, okay. So you're plotting and planning for that. Yes, plotting and planning. Plotting and planning and scheming and
0: dreaming. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that'll be lovely for you. Yeah, I Thank assume you. if it's not like you're going there for you know some nefarious <laughs> reason, I'm just assuming it's a good reason to travel. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, you know,
1: if even if it was a nefarious reason, Joshua, it would still be lovely for me because I would yeah. be the
0: mastermind. I see. I see. I see. Um, well, good for you. I I love to travel. Just <laughs> put that out there. <laughs> You had such a, To get on a plane and go somewhere is lovely. <laughs>
1: you had such so a wistful look when you like looked off into the distance. You said that like.
0: Because <laughs> uh, I actually have a lot of travel coming up. I don't know. I'm insane. I really think that I'm certifiable. So I was looking at my uh, April calendar mm-hmm. and I'm going to be in Poland from April 13th to the 24th. Uh, mm-hmm. I landed because of the time difference. It's like I leave Poland at 11am. But mm-hmm. because of whatever the hours the time difference, I land in LA at like two o'clock or something two forty, 40. And then whatever a couple hours to to get home to San Diego. And then the very next day we're gonna go see Melissa Etheridge because she's playing a show. And then we're gonna go again on Wednesday because she's doing two shows um at the belly up here in San Diego. And so we're like, well, fuck it. We might as well buy for both. And then a couple of days later, I'm in LA for another concert. And then like a week later, we're in Romania. So I don't know what my brain, I don't know what it's gonna be doing. But I was just looking at my like list of everything that I have going on. And I'm just like, I am I'm in I'm insane. I might be. You know, I'm worried. What if I what if I'm already too old for this shit? (laughs) What happens if my body's like I'm just like having some kind of weird out of body experience? So, and I have to say, I do have to say, it's not my fault though because I told the Sam Squanch I was like, you know, I'm supposed to get in on the 24th, so let's not. We'll skip the Tuesday show and we'll just do Wednesday. That would kind of give me a day to like hang out. Plus, in case something happens with my flight, you know, I get in late. He goes, No, you'll be all right. And I wasn't Bro, gonna let him go bye, bye. by himself. So certainly. Right I now. did not expect that. Yeah, um, he, he's like become more of an addict than me. So hey. Um what
1: are it's you so do? it's so funny actually, you said that going going by himself because um so I'm planning my uh I'm planning my birthday party like I'm fucking mm-hmm. like Mamie Eisenhower, like <laughs>
0: <Right>. planning my
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Justin, planning my birthday Josephine party. Eisenhower, uh-huh.
0: Yes. Or Mamie and, Joe, um, can I call you Mamie Joe from now on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God, that would be
1: that. Actually, is a cute nickname. It's like Mamie <laughs> Joe. Um, anyway. And uh, uh, this year, what I want to do is, I want to, um, I want to do like a dinner at my house. Uh, have my parents cook our food for people and, you know, have them meet friends that they've never met before. I, I realize that there's like people they hear me talk about all the time. And it was so nice to um, have you and the Sam Squench come over for Christmas. I was like, oh, what if they met the other fags? The, sorry. What if they met, <laughs> I might have to cut that out. What if they met the other gays that I know? Um, and so uh it's going to happen on my birthday, but you are not going to be here. You're going to be in Polonia for my birthday. And my mom was like, well, Jeffrey's going to be alone. Shouldn't he come over and have dinner? And I was like, you would think, but they are a package.
0: Um, Maybe I can tempt him with a prime rib. I think food will definitely get him over there. So you should certainly invite him. Um, I wouldn't, I I would say there's always a 50% chance of a show. (laughs) <laughs> have okay. show up you know um or probably actually less i'm not sure what the uh percentage of like bigfoot photos there are to attempts at getting a bigfoot photo <laughs> but whatever the percentage yeah. of that is 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 the likelihood that he'll come on his own <laughs> yeah because like
1: that's such an interesting thing right because like most bigfoot photos you're not setting out
0: to find bigfoot Right. Well, some people are, though. So I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what I meant by that. I mean, I kind of am sure, but I didn't, like, phrase it right, because we we write this uh, on the fly,
1: so.
0: no. <laughs> A- meaning not at all. Um, did you watch SNL this past week? I did. I did. Little Pedro Pascal was on there, our, our yeah. Internet's uh, daddy, I guess. I was very lost in that whole sketch about... Um, eating it up and whatnot the what is Uh, daddy and mommy yeah the fan cam oh yeah the fan cam Um, i was very excited to see sarah pulse and i guess they're really good friends so she like stopped by to like pop up on the show with them and that was really the only reason i had no idea but that's what my internet research uh (laughs) gave me was that they're just really close so (laughs) i I decided to come be mommy
1: I love when, I love when the internet or love when like people's friendships are revealed and you have no, like, how is, how are they connected? Because now all I want to, now all I want to see is like a, you know, action comedy starring Sarah Paulson and Pedro Pascal, Mm -hmm. um, where they play,
0: I don't know, teachers, spies, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I want it to be like, she's like awesome, serious spy. And he's like totally inept yes
1: like he's he's like a he's like a sheriff or something in a small town
0: yeah just something that like yeah exactly like just kind of undermines it sort of like when we were talking about like big trouble in little china like the star of the movie Mm -hmm. is actually like the sidekick you know like he's Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's i would love to see that kind of role i think that would be fun uh but anything they decide to do together i think would be would be lovely um but yeah i i yeah go ahead sorry
1: Oh no! I was gonna say like their their friendship is like what I think it, it's it's the kind of friendship like Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve, right? Mm. Like Mrs. Doubtfire and Superman. Like you would never think that they were together, but they were they were roommates at Juilliard. So uh, like I had
0: no idea. How interesting! Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Bringing the You're knowledge. Welcome. That's fascinating. Huh. I love that. I love, yeah, exactly. When you find out like people hang out or you see pictures of them yeah. at a party or at, like somebody's house, you're like, why are you all together? This is so strange, but good for who's, you. who's Melissa's uh, friend like that? Does Melissa have a friend like that? I feel like all the lesbians stick together. <laughs> so I don't think it's ever surprising who they're hanging out with. Uh, but she's told stories like she and Brad Pitt used to be really close. He like learned to fly fish in her pool for that river runs through It movie or something um but way back in the day um yeah. I guess they're not really close anymore but that surprised me then I was like oh weird um mm-hmm. what an interesting friendship uh but other otherwise you like Ellen you know Ellen and Portia just did that vow renewal thing and so like Brandy Carlyle was there and then you know you saw Melissa and Linda in the uh audience and like a bunch of others and I, I feel like they all kind of You know, those girls, the girls, they stick together. Uh, But I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are surprising people that they hang out with that I wouldn't know about. But that's fine. They're entitled to, you know. That that, aren't you. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's entitled to interiority. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the SNL, the Pedro. I thought he did a really good job. Um, SNL sometimes like just, I don't know, sometimes it can really be on the struggle bus uh, for me. Um personally. Um, mm-hmm. I know you and I we've kind of talked a little bit, we've debated that a little bit because of the writer's room. And you know, there it's not as this not that the, they're not trying, <laughs> you know, to to write good comedy, but sometimes I don't know. I'm just out of touch with SNL's brand of comedy. Um, and also most of the music they get on there. Well, not mo- actually, it's been a mix. Um, oh man, yeah. I pro- I shouldn't probably say anything because I know little darling. Tenderhearted Matt, Maddie is listening. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he's listening and I, he wrote a lovely post about the cold play who I just do not understand. <laughs> <laughs> so you should just, just skip forward a little so you don't hear me uh, criticizing the cold play. Uh, again, everybody's entitled to like, love the music they love. It's wonderful. I just, you know, it was so funny because we're watching it and Jeffrey picked up the remote to fast forward. I was like, hold on, hold on. Don't fast forward. Cause I'm going to call the shots. Okay. So in about a few seconds, a drum beat, a big drum beat's gonna kick in. Boom! Drum beat happened. I was like, and just watch. In another couple of seconds, a big choir's gonna show up, <laughs> of mostly black people. Uh, and then that happened. You did? And it's just like you did not call that. Yes, yes, I did. I was telling Jennifer. I was like, don't fast forward because I'm telling you, I'm gonna like call this song because all their songs are this fucking same. Uh, they're like you two that way, um, especially now. <laughs> Uh So, yeah, I don't understand it It's just like Dave Matthew, I don't understand Dave Matthew's band, all their songs Sound exactly the same, but, you know To be absolutely fair uh, You know, when Melissa Did her first Live Alone show, where all of her songs Were just on her, like, acoustic or electric guitar A lot of the criticism is like, all these songs sound the same So <laughs> In stride I do know sometimes, you know, people have A sound, and if it works for you, hey You just keep remaking that hit Um but yeah, it just was, it was just frustrating to me because I've just, I've never understood Coldplay. Uh, so, but whatever, they've got a ton of money and are doing things. So, <laughs> And I know they're very, you know, um, philanthropic, so to speak. So, but yeah, I was just like, oh man, cold. As soon as I saw that they were on, I was like, no. <laughs> they're phil- they're philanthropic. Um. Yes, philanthropic, philanthropic. <laughs> Yes, they're philanthropic. Um, yeah, I just called like node for node because I was just like, I know what this is gonna be, because it's always the same. I think the yeah. last time they were on SNL was like exactly the same. So anyways. I really loved um, I really loved the uh well
1: done steak.
0: <laughs> oh, that shit was hilarious.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they were losing it. It reminded me of um Debbie Downer at Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, trying to like hold on to it. Do you like a well done steak, <laughs> Joe? No, absolutely not. Like, I, I, I knew we were in for something when the well-done steak thing happened. I'm like, oh Jesus, H yeah. And, and then for ketchup, up. like for ketchup. And um, when when the manager comes out and it's like, oh, cause we black, yeah. And and Bowen just died, and I'm like, lost it. Yeah,
0: I also that. lost it too. <laughs> that shirt he was wearing was incredible. I was like, I really want that. It was like all kinds of different patterns. It was really neat. Um, he, I, I like his sense of style. I also liked him playing the balloon, the Chinese balloon. Uh, yeah, much like his, uh, you know, um, Oscar-worthy performance as the iceberg from Titanic, um, which I think they should go back and give him a 1997 mm-hmm. or 98 Oscar for that, whenever that movie came out. Um, but yeah, I that there was. Pretty freaking entertaining uh, overall. The Mario Kart yeah. reimagining. That shit was hilarious. Mm-hmm. I saw so many people saying they would watch that. And I'm like, actually, yeah, I probably if that was a if that was a show, I would watch that.
1: <laughs> well, it well, it I was listening to another podcast where they asked what is this what is the link between The Last of Us and Super Mario besides the fact that they're both video games and it's because they both have mushrooms. They're both dealt right. with fungus.
0: Yeah. It was kind of, it was very, it was very smart. I was like, okay, this is cool. This I, I, I get where they're going with this. And again, I wish, I wish that was a show. <laughs> um. Gosh, what else? What are you watching? Are you watching anything new? Not yet. I, I wrapped up my glow. Uh, rewatch which of course was again depressing because I wish there was more glow and Kate Nash actually this week on Twitter or last week on Twitter um, she played Britannica on the show released a bunch of like a a little group of uh, behind the scenes because they had started filming season four so they were in production when COVID shut it down and they thought they were going to delay and then they just cancelled it so there were photos and stuff taken so she shared some and it just kind of reignited that like (laughs) oh man, they had set up and and, in watching it, it's like, I could kind of see like they hinted at a few things now that I've seen it a couple of times where I'm like, Oh, I bet such and such was going to do this. I'm like, maybe they were going to explore this thing with that character. And so you kind of, it's just like, man, I wish we had a a close, you know, a way to kind of close it up. Cause the real history of glow is, is really tragic. And there's a lot of like, um, I mean, there's a lot of amazing stories in it and a lot of like like incredible firsts for like women Mm -hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, that kind of wrestling is really, regardless of how staged or not it is, they're throwing themselves around. So there was a lot of injuries and a lot of lifelong devastating effects to them. Uh, so I just, I really wish it had gotten the ending that it, it deserved. So that's what I mostly watched this week when I wasn't watching, uh, Holocaust documentaries for my class, um, along with other, you know, videos for class and then, uh, I can't talk about it because we're going to be on over on the Patreon show, but I'm going to be starting that this, probably this weekend.
1: Yes. Yes. So, um, I, um, I watched, uh, (laughs) I recently watched, uh, from the beginning the Netflix show Kaleidoscope. Oh yeah. That's on my list. I want to see it. What'd you think? I, well, it's, lovely as a heist movie it's lovely as a heist uh series it's it's very very well done yeah. i'm kind of sad that it is uh over <laughs> because well not that it's i mean they could very well get a season 2 and they kind of yeah. set it up so that way you're you know kind of looking for a season 2 um but dear listener if you're not familiar with kaleidoscope it, the point of it is that it's a heist film but in the, kind of the vein of like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, it's told non-linearly. So yeah. uh, the seven episodes can all be watched in different and in, in various orders.
0: Yeah, um, I saw a list of different ways to watch it. Like there was like chronological version or like all these other, <laughs> you know, they had different titles, but I didn't want to get too spoiled. So I didn't read it. Man, the cat, right? Yeah. It's like yelling, ah, but go ahead. Sorry. No, I
1: was gonna say I I chose to watch it chronologically, which was an interesting
0: choice. Um, is that how it it's already no. listed? Oh, so you had to work to go to go back between the black, the it, red, the pink, the orange, whatever. Yeah. The different. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Which is, I chose to watch it chronologically, which like really it really spoils you from the beginning on a major reveal. <laughs> um, on a a major reveal, but I kind of loved it because it was just like watching one really long movie. Um, And if you watch it chronologically, it's perfectly set up to, uh, to have a second season. Um, I kind of recommend kind of watching it the way that they say to watch it or the way that it is on Netflix, because they, they give you little bits and pieces here and there of, uh, of the reveal, um but the but definitely, and Joshua, i I kid you not this the way to watch it, definitely do not watch the heist until the very last episode, okay yeah well, that's because like because they if you watch it chronologically, you watch there's the heist and then there's two episodes after that, but the way that the heist ends and all of that goes down. I'm just like, oh, it it would have been it would have been so much more impactful to not do it to not do it that way okay. to have had the heist at the end.
0: Well, I'm definitely looking forward to uh watching it. So um I appreciate uh, as always your 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 feedback about uh, a show that you've watched that I haven't. <laughs> um all right. well, uh any other things before we move on? I think that's all I wanted to talk about. That's it. <laughs> all right, well we will be right back to celebrate 45 years of 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Ah, the smell of the video store. I love this place do you remember when you could just look at the walls of covers? We had to choose just by looking at the cover and reading the crappy synopsis. It was You were leaving with one. And the only way to know what new movies were coming out is you actually had to watch the trailers instead of skipping them. Right. We didn't have the internet to look it up. We had one guy named Todd behind the counter that would tell <laughs> us what was good or not. And Todd strangely liked way too many romantic comedies. Yes, but you all always knew when the boobies were coming, because Todd made sure. <laughs> oh, and remember all the awful CG we had to put up with in the mid-90s? We talk about that a lot, don't we? Join us on Analog Jones and the Tempo Film, where we talk about VHS tapes. And we wax nostalgia like none other. All right, welcome back. So, yes, this week I thought it would be fun because Joe has been doing this deep dive into The Walking Dead and we're watching The Last of Us uh, to take, uh, you know, do an episode on 1978's Dawn of the Dead. So I do, I guess, probably have to point out that... um, Dawn of the Dead was released in Italy in 1978. So I'm considering, you know, the world doesn't revolve around America, people. So I know this is on a lot of lists for next year for its 45th anniversary because it didn't open in America and the United States until April of 1979. But fuck that. Uh, What is that? um, uh, American ethnocentricity. Uh, American, (laughs) yes, exceptionalism. Yes. Exceptionalism. Exactly. So it was uh, originally released in 1978. So I'm celebrating it now. 45 years, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, So this is the follow-up to uh, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. So we got, you know, written and directed by George. Yay. Uh, We've got music by uh, Goblin um, and Dario Argento. We've got... um, you know, great cast. We got Ken Faray, um, uh, David M.G. Scott, Reininger. I think is how you say that, and Galen Ross. Uh, that's our our main cast, along with you know mm-hmm. hordes of zombies, a horde of bikers, uh, you know yep. indiscriminate uh, SWAT and other you know military government agencies. But uh, the cast really comes down to those 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 four main uh, folks, and it is about so. I think it's a couple of months into uh, the zombie apocalypse. So, you know, Night of the Living Dead had been released, what, 1968? So we're about, we're 10 years after the initial film. Uh, But I think this is only supposed to be a few months after that initial zombie outbreak. And so it follows our little uh, group of survivors as they take up residency in a mall in order to try to, you know, survive. And uh, outlast the zombie apocalypse. Um, that's the you know elevator speech, I guess, if you've not yeah. seen Dawn of the Dead. Uh, Joe, I'm wondering about your thoughts on Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> um,
1: and this is I'm the first time get... you've seen this, right? First time I've seen it. Okay. I'm going to get
0: so much hate,
1: but I didn't like
0: it. I'm really wow really oh my gosh why it was slow
1: and it i is it is long yeah for sure it, yeah it's like two hours long but like not just the that but like you see the thing about the thing that i was like hoping for was to have there be more tension and to have either it it either needs to be like the walking dead or it needs to be like 28 days later. Do you know what I mean? Like there where there's the fast or the slow, you know, or the, but the, the, the rules of the world need to be defined. The only thing about this that we know that carries over is like destroy the brain, detach it from the body. But I just couldn't, I could not, Get into it. Like I found myself looking at my phone a lot of the time. I have a feeling that if I we watched it together, because you know, for scheduling purposes, we did not watch. Uh, we had to do homework separately. <laughs> but I have a feeling that if we watched this together, you would be like yelling at me to take my to to um, put my
0: phone away. Um, <laughs> well, to be fair, just... that happens quite often, which might just be a uh, a function yeah. of growing up in this like world. Now, I've started putting my phone in like another room. Uh, mm-hmm. just because it's like it's it's just uh yeah. it's just a habit. It's not it might not even have anything to say about the quality of what I'm watching. It's just that no, it's entirely <laughs> a habit. And so um I'm doing it
1: right now. Uh I'm like, well, I'm putting it on do not disturb. So, but that all being said, though, it's just like I, I it it was like it started off really strange and then like it slowed down a lot. Like it's like off to the races and then slows down an insane amount. Once they get out into the open and when they find the mall and like, I just could not get into it. And I'm really, I'm trying to give it a lot of grace, right? I'm trying to give, I'm, I'm trying not to say that, uh, that one of one of the like seminal pieces of like zombie cinema is boring, <laughs> but
0: um, you know it, it, I won't watch I, it again yeah, that, Hey, that's perfectly fine um, Although uh, You are going to watch the remake uh, at some point But we'll discuss that later um, Which you, I don't know You may end up actually liking the remake But yeah um, we're definitely going to talk about it in the future cuz I'm actually excited we're doing this so that we can chat about the remake at some point cuz I actually really love it. Um and I mean yeah, to be fair, I I really like Dawn of the Dead as well. Um so uh, surprise surprise, right? You don't like something and I do. Hey, it's okay.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's what the kids would say is our brand. Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um yeah, I mean it's it's really fascinating to me because it's like I agree it's de- it definitely has some meditative moments, uh, especially once they're kind of settling in, which I think is on purpose. So obviously one of the one of the most obvious conversations that we can have about Dawn of the Dead and the mm-hmm. reading that it usually gets is you know this conversation, and I think George Romero even talked about it in his life, you know, um, or has talked about it. Um, I keep forgetting. Did George die? Uh, yes, he did in 2017. I thought so. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'll talk about people that I don't realize are, are alive, alive. <laughs> but I think that they're dead. Um, so, but anyways, I do, I think he also talked about in his life that, you know, it's like a comment on consumerism. Uh, it's also not. I I think one of the things that really it has going for it, because Night of the Living Dead is also is bleak, you know, that was like what we called that episode, secret Mm -hmm. password is bleak or whatever, secret word is bleak Uh, it's meditative it's, you know, it has, you know it's slow moments Um, but this is kind of... I like Night of the Living Dead more. Right, yes and, you know, that's totally fair Uh, I think that there are, I think that both films to me have different strengths and weaknesses, um but you know this was kind of they had a much bigger budget they were able to do a lot more interesting things and they could um you know there's also some humor kind there's efforts to get some you know dark humor in there uh but overall you know yeah it's not it's not hard to see this sort of you know zombies wandering around a mall (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. consumerist message uh and then on top of it you know you have again a woman uh who is pregnant so we're talking about uh francine who fran is uh you know like we cannot settle here we need to get the hell out of this place like let's get supplies let's get what we need and let's like get away from you know the zombie horde outside uh but you know the guys they work really hard you know to make them all a safe place. Uh, they sacrifice, obviously, you know, one of them gets bitten and dies, you know, trying to make it a safe space. Uh, and they, you know, they really like just want the, there's a part of the, there's a part of this that's like when there's an apocalyptic awful thing that's happening, you know, or in our life, you know, when, when something in our life blows up, like you kind of want to curl up and like find those comforts. And like, that's sort of what this is about. Like how much normalcy can we build inside this model? Yeah. Uh, but eventually again, they're choosing to stay there and putting comforts because they don't need some of the things that they they pull into no. their spaces, right? These are not things to survive with. It's just to make life, you know, n- normal it, normalize it. Yeah. And so, of course, them staying there is uh, it does contribute to to them getting killed because it's a major target for other people, uh, namely the bikers. So it's not hard to have conversations about materialism and consumerism inside of, of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, what I do think is really uh, interesting and, again, is uh you know, we are, it's February, so it's Black History Month, of course. So, you know, I thought this would also be interesting to talk about in the context of that, because we have, again, George Romero, I think the first three movies, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and is it Day of the Dead? I think all, um, yeah, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, but also neither living dead, uh, you know, black men are featured in pivotal and central roles. So this is coming out of, you know, horror noir, of mm-hmm. course, uh, you know, and it's a film where, you know, Hey, the black guy makes it to the end. So it's another early example, this 1978 early example against the trope that, you know, black, the black people die first. Um, but some of, some of the other things that I think are really interesting in, uh, reading is, uh, as talked about in horror noir. So, uh, it'd be fun to get your thoughts on this Joe. So, um, Dawn of the Dead is said, well, okay. So this says weeks after the undead have, you know, first arise, and the zombie plague has permeated every corner of society. Um, so we see where, um, You know, kind of in the first film, in *Night of the Living Dead*, it's it's a bit more rural, and we're kind of seeing the effects of that, and and you know how much safety there might be out there. But in a city, a lot more opportunity for zombies, and so they're you know evacuating. Mm -hmm. And it says the desperation of the situation is revealed when zombies are seen wreaking havoc in the tightly packed, highly populated city of Philadelphia, predominantly white male teams of SWAT officers, an urban version of the rednecks depicted in night, sweep through a tenement, caring little about distinguishing between zombies and the building's black and brown human residents. I'm not going to quote the film, but (laughs) we all probably, if we've seen it, we know they're just Mm -hmm. like, hey, kill everybody. Fuck it. Yeah. Uh, these lives have no meaning. Uh, so there's a racial, ethnic, and zombie cleansing, like right at the beginning of the film. Uh, because, you know, they want to stay in their homes. Uh, they yeah. want to, you know, keep, try to stick it out. Um and then it goes on to talk about how in the in Romero's versions of zombies, they kind of embody this metaphor for whiteness. So even as now, some zombies are depicted as non-white. In one scene, a black zombie attacks a black man. The zombie is not only pale to mark its undead state, but it appears to be whited up. A color contrast emphasized in a shot of the whitened black zombie biting the living black man's neck. Uh, so I think part of that conversation is, yeah, is that internalization of of, of whiteness. And, uh, you know, when we talk mm-hmm. about like internalizing col- colonial, uh, colonialism, uh, enter mm-hmm. the black hero, Peter, this is Ken. Foray. I, I'm pretty sure it's for I should have. I'm pretty out. sure. I was just criticizing somebody else for not, you know, doing their proper, um, <laughs> so of course here I am doing it. Research to make sure they, cause they kept staying like seedle or something for shtetle, uh, In a presentation, it's like annoying me. Anyways, um, he steps in, uh, out against his white peers, demanding they end their slaughter of innocent citizens. When a member of the squad does not immediately stop, what does he do? He kills him, just as he would a zombie, ceasing the man's kind of hyper-masculine racial domination performance. Peter is outside of and above both. And then, of course, he befriends Roger. They, you know, embark on a lovely bromance in this film. Um, (laughs) I, I pause any like queer readings of that, to be honest, I really think it's just kind of a cool friendship, uh, between them and, you know, kind of trying to work together to survive. Uh, and Roger, you know, shares this sort of distaste for the violence that they witness. Um, so let's see, what was the next point I wanted to look at? Well, obviously they need Steven and Francine and then it kind of goes on. Uh, the film is a critique of American consumption and consumerism, as well as an engagement with the feminist movement and sexual revolution. Uh, by setting the film in a shopping mall, Romero continued to bring impressive change and innovation to the horror genre. This was important because decades of mad scientists, entranced women, plots of science gone awry, and settings of old houses, uh, laboratories had become dull and routine. Um, In Dawn, theirs is a life of materialism Occasionally interrupted by interloping zombies Uh, Likewise, blackness does not interrupt much Uh, And then she talks about the scene Where they go into the gun shop And there's um, like the African tribal drums uh, Music, like kind of this voodoo sort of thing Um, And uh, it's While the drums and music typically signal voodoo There are no voodoo zombies here You know, that's not what this story is. Um, And instead, this is a film about economic exploitation, which, according to Romero, means all Americans have become zombies, mindlessly consuming, cannibalizing commodities, Uh, most most of which are not essential for sustenance or or survival. One could not blame black voodoo for that. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I'm just kind of looking. Let my other? I think that's kind of mainly the point, you know, just kind of discussing, mm-hmm. you know, and then at the end, we sort of have this intangible future for Peter and um, Francine, who kind of represent this blackness, maleness and whiteness womanhood and going off, like, how are they going to survive? Is she going to, you know, be able to have this baby? What will that baby's life be like? Um, you know, what would their relationship be like? Um, you know, moving on. But um. Yeah, I just I I really I'm so happy that we have like this <laughs> kind of cool uh you know text of, of Hordewar kind of analyzing these sorts of um your conversations of this film beyond just the consumerist, but you know yeah. what else what what else can we say about the you know the racial politics at play? Um, they're very interesting because uh, it's not it, I wouldn't say this is part of like the black exploitation movement of the time you know maybe it has some elements of that but it's it's very firmly um you know rooted in like kind of like the first film he just happens to be black so they happen to be but they but we could still kind of pull some i agree with the conversations about whiteness and zombies so anyways that's a lot of uh word vomit <laughs> i'm curious when you were watching it did you did you have any like sense of these sorts of conversations i thought it was I thought it was going to be like exclusively
1: about race. Like I know that Mm -hmm. there's, I know that there's um, a Romero zombie movie that takes place in a mall. It wasn't until we got there that I realized, oh, it's this movie Ah. because of just how, like from the first scene, right? Black host, white expert, right? Telling you about the dead and, all of the kind of unrest that's going on and the chaotic, the chaotic way that like that'll kind of unfolds then immediately going into the next scene at the, um, is it said that it's a project? No. Right. Like it's, it's not, it's not really yeah.
0: said that way. Yeah, but I think I mean, yeah, I think it can have that sort of reading, especially for the utter like disdain for the the citizens mm-hmm. that these that these uh the SWAT team has. And who knows? I mean, maybe if they were all white it may it could have been the same, but I I don't know. I struggle with thinking that it could be. I I think that
1: the- well, cuz I I had to go back a little bit because when right after, you know, the barrage of racial epithets, there's like it was like, why are they staying in this like hotel? Right. Like, or it, it made it seem as if like, why are all these people in this nice building? And so in this nice area. Um, And so it was really fascinating because I immediately thought like, this is a racial, this is a racial thing. And then it kind of, um, I think like it still carries that reading through, but it does lose the thread once we get to the mall, which is like, you know, Romero admits, right. The central crux is about consumerism. And so, and especially like, you know, you were going what it's 70 probably was filmed in 77. So like it's the late seventies going into the greed of the eighties. Right. So this is where we're in the rise of mall culture and all of those things. And so, which would be such a, um, such a, uh, signature, part of like 80s culture is the you know the death of small business and the and the um the modern piazza that is the mall and so we i get it but like i honestly would have been i don't and again this is just my bias right but i would have i would have liked to see a film that kind of dove into that a little bit better um obviously the way it ends right there's all these great readings about it because it's it's um feels totally different than the first mm-hmm. uh, in many ways, but, um, and I was actually reading, I, I, I've never seen the 2004 remake with Zack Snyder, but I've heard of it because I, I love Ving Rhames. <laughs> and so I was yeah. reading a little bit about, I didn't read the synopsis, but I was reading a little bit about why Ving Rhames wanted to do it. And he said like, oh, because I wanted to be in a, I wanted to be in a movie where the black
0: guy lives at the end. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're right. It it started filming in 1977 because it was the Christmas season and they had to, um, they had to take down and put up the mall's Christmas decorations every night because they were filming. The mall was open, you know, during the day. Mm-hmm. And so they had, it was like a nightmare having to re, you know, redo. So they actually, they paused. They stopped filming for a few weeks to get through Christmas so they could, they could stop having to take down and put all the decorations back up. Mm-hmm. Um, plus they had all kinds of other issues of, you know, they had to film in all these other different places because the mall didn't have everything that they needed, and some of it was on the soundstage mm-hmm. and all that. Um yeah. Um uh, yeah, I, I think another one it, it's an it's another movie where, yeah, in the beginning, because I think with with Night of the Living Dead, even though it wasn't purposefully written, like I I really don't think that. George Romero was trying to, I think we talked about this when we did our original, I think that's, that's like episode four of Fight School or something like that, three or four, it's early, uh, you know, that it was kind of, you know, it, the civil rights movement was, you know, in full, you know, cultural consciousness, but I don't think George Romero sat down and was like, I'm going to write a movie about a black man in the in in the zombie apocalypse. It's just that they really liked Dwayne. And so they, you know, brought him in and that it it did give meaning to the performance that maybe was 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 not intended, and so mm-hmm. I think there is a little bit more of an awareness here because again, you have black exploitation films are are, are a big part of the time period. You know, part of the cultural consciousness. Um, you know, we there. This is post. You know that that movement. You know, the feminist yeah. movement is is doing its thing. Womanism. So really, kind of talk, starting to begin, starting the beginnings of what has become like intersectional. Uh, conversation intersectionality uh, so it's like it's really hard to to think that they weren't kind of considering that a little bit more in this film you know in 77 mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. uh, so I definitely think it's here but again it's like maybe there's this dream that at some point you know like a lot of mindless idiots are gonna have to die <laughs> and we're gonna have to like force you know the world to, re- mm-hmm. to rebirth itself into a place where, Hey, we can all get along, where you can all be peaceful. Uh, we can build a new, you know, world, which is kind of what they do There's a microcut. They're happy. You know, there's that kind of long, you know, sort of sequence where they're just living in the mall, you know, just happy playing games and, you know, they can keep it running and, you know, maybe there's hope here. Um, and then of course, what happens like always much like the walking dead, uh, you, you the, the real monsters are are humans cuz the zombies are barely a threat i mean these are like swat guys you know they're running around shooting pe- shooting yep. them like you know for the most part they can control that um they can you know keep the zombie horde at bay at bay yeah but when a bunch of bikers decide to ride through the fucking mall <laughs> like there's not much control that they have over that except you know to, to go to war with them and then of course that brings down the whole the whole damn Place, so yeah, I think again, this is just a a, you know a film that is sort of a dissertation on you know man, we suck, people suck. Um, Yeah, there's some racial stuff in there; you can't be denied. They use terrible language. There, you know, there's there is definitely a presence of whiteness in a lot of ways of the suffocating, um, violent uh, history there. But I do think, yeah, it kind of tapers out a little bit.
1: I thought it was cool how like and I don't know see the thing is I don't know if this is intentional but it it it's so cool how similar it is in the end of at the the big uh, the end of season 6 or the episodes at the end of season 6 when you're intro of uh, the walking dead when yeah. we're introduced to the saviors and you know Negan being the big bad that they're right. going to contend with for like the next two seasons um They kind of were like, it kind of is like a biker gang, right? Mm, And so, like, and they kind of hinted that and referenced that a little bit with Daryl Dixon in, um, Daryl Dixon in the early, in from the beginning and how, like, he wasn't a character in the, he wasn't a character in the, um, comic books, but ends up being one that is, like, a very popular character. But, like, he represents that, like, he represents kind of both of the bads in the first two Romero films, right? Both yeah. Redneck and Biker. And so seeing how that gets, seeing how, like, I was feeling that a little bit, I made had to make sure to write that down because I was like, oh, this is really interesting how the... They, the bads of, and, and it happens, it happens fairly often in uh, a couple more times in Walking Dead, where like people who look like they're in a gang, right? Like biker equals gang. And so, but they have like a code and all these things. And, and, and to your other point, is just like, yeah, I mean, I think we said this, I think I said this from the beginning in our, uh, like, see that episode, that first season of Ride School is that we, uh, Zombie movies I love because they're they say more about humanity than they do about the actual right. like monster. They say more about us and what happens in the absence of, right? And it's interesting seeing it's interesting seeing The Last of Us where like The Last of Us there is some semblance of a government. You know, there is right. some semblance that like life is continuing in in a fairly orderly fashion it yeah, may be, and We're like 20
0: years in so it's yeah. had time for them to kind of establish in tribal ways new forms of government yeah some fascists some you know
1: some fascists some uh, like you said very tri- like some tribal factions there's resistance you know there's all of right. those things and it it is uh, speaking. I think The Last of Us is speaking more to the humanity's capacity for hope more yeah. than
0: despair at this point. Right? It's still early, so hope more than despair. That's a really good point because I never played the video game. I never watched anybody play it. I don't really know what happened. So I, yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a good. That's a good reading. I mm-hmm. hope <laughs> that again. Yeah. you know, it's kind of nice yeah. to have a hopeful apocalyptic show
1: whereas like walking dead was not afraid to lean into like the utter bleak and despair like the other bleakness and um yeah. and despair of it all and but in that regard it's just like it it became like you see the survivors going through it you see the survivors going through it and then ultimately something happens that breaks them so so much that they um, they start to turn they have their own turning point as well, where right. the, their humanity is chipped away un, until un, until eventually, you know, they regain it, and then it gets beaten down again because of you know the naked. <laughs>
0: you're being you're being caught. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you can't see it, but the uh, hemlock. He really wants attention. He keeps like grabbing my hand. You couldn't yeah. see it earlier. He was reaching over. Sorry. I keep going. No, was, uh, and so. It's so
1: fascinating to see uh, to see these shows that like are running, like you know, are running because the only reason they can run is because Day of the Dead, Living Dead, Romero, those things of his
0: mind crawled. Yeah, and, that's what I was. Yeah, I was going to comment on when you were talking about The Walking Dead. It's like The Walking Dead cannot escape the history of the zombie film, especially Romero's films. Uh, And again, I don't think they're trying to, I think that's purposeful. I I really think there are a lot of homages to, to, to zombie films and Mm -hmm. questions about, Mm -hmm. you know, and they kind of leave it vague about where it comes from because, you know, that way they can kind of play in all those tropes. Um, So, yeah, I really like that. The point that you made about um, Megan and, and sort of that, yeah, motorcycle vibe. Uh, And yeah, those conversations about like rednecks and (laughs) you know Daryl like turns out to kind of be the hero and or a hero of the series Mm -hmm. when he kind of doesn't really start out that way and certainly not with his brother. Sure. Uh, Something else that I think is important to discuss uh, with Dawn of the Dead, much like um, you know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came you know a few years before, is the influence of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Tom Savini in our You know, one of our, one of my favorite texts that we use on the show, The Monster Show uh, by uh, David J. Skull. There's a comment from Tom Savini and he says, um, this is an interview that he gave uh, that's collected here. Much of my work for Dawn of the Dead was like a series of portraits of what I had seen for real in Vietnam. Perhaps that was one way of working out that experience. Uh, Horror films of the 70s and 80s began exhibiting symptoms remarkably similar to some of those suffered by victims of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Startle reactions, paranoia, endless scenes of gorilla like stalking and like traumatic flashbacks, endlessly repeated images of nightmare assaults on the human body, especially its sudden and explosive destruction. Uh, And then there was another quote from him one moment. I thought I had it lined up and I was wrong. Um, But I mean, it's basically the same thing, just that Tom Savini had been, he had been doing photography. I think this is why I wanted to find it because, uh, yeah, he's an When I was in Vietnam, I was a combat photographer. My job was to shoot images of damage to machines and to people. Through my lens, I saw some hideous stuff. To cope with it, I guess I tried to think of it as special effects. Now, as an artist, I just think of creating the effect within the limitations we have to deal with. Uh, So, again, we kind of see that, and we've you know we talk about this on the show. Like, what do what do the very real experiences of creators? you know, have to have to contribute to their art. Uh, And, you know, with Vietnam, like the horrors of that war, what people witnessed, you know, some of the first times we had some of the kind of weaponry we had that could like just, you know, really destroy, obliterate a body, and it kind of feeds some of the imagery that we're given here. Uh, There's an exploding So, this film almost ended as bleak <laughs> as, as Night of the Living Dead. So originally the the um, end was uh, Peter kills himself and Fran let, allows herself to be uh, beheaded by a, a helicopter. That's the original idea for the ending. <laughs> so, yeah, super fun, right, Joe? I see you, like, thinking about that. <laughs> I'm going to be, um, I mean...
1: I- it, again like i was expecting i based only solely on the original film it's what i was expecting
0: <laughs> something similar was what i was expecting yeah um yeah it's it's sort of it's you know it's very dark um so i think they actually used that sequence though in the beginning there's like a head explodes uh, that image was that was originally built for the um, for the end I think, that, I think that's what I read but regardless it, it also was hinted at um, you know what was gonna what was gonna happen but then they decide to you know go against uh, they they change their mind for whatever reason maybe to give some hope of the end <laughs> um, but I thought that was really interesting in doing you know some research of reading about this movie because I it was it was fun to revisit because I haven't seen it in a while I bought, I have like a, some DVD re-release they did a bunch of years ago, you know, some special edition it's got, you know, it's remastered and whatnot. Uh, so it was definitely fun to revisit. But then when I was like researching and thinking, of, you know, and again, we talk about this a lot. We talk about, um, you know, the influence, particularly, you know, kind of that first golden age of mm-hmm well, not the first, there's been several golden ages of horror, but, you know, when we look into the seventies and eighties and, you know, that influence that Vietnam had and like the po- politics of the time, the economics of the time, um, you know, they, are it's all so present in this film, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, sort of what we think it, it, it really encapsulates a really, you know, particular time in our history. And, you know, the people who worked on it had, you know, some of them have been through, you know, some really horrifying things and were able to, like, contribute that to uh, to this film. Um, all right. I think that's kind of the main conversation. I was going to see if there was, I, I think I'd seen some neat little, um, um, well, one, I there there's an article about 10 things that still hold up today. I'm not going to go over all 10 of them. You can look this up. But I do agree. I love the opening scenes. There is an epicness to them um you know it's satire consumerism of course is great (laughs) um it's so over the top and a lot of the blood the blood is so the blood and gore is just bonkers Mm -hmm. fun i really like the score i i'm not sure you got the same score that i got because i sent you a youtube version of it i i saw a comment yeah i
1: saw a comment about how like it was like it's technically like the first cut. Um, It's before some of the Goblin stuff. Like, I'm curious to know, I'm curious to see your version of it to see if the music may have helped because the music did not help me at all.
0: I don't know. The music, it's very strange at times. Um, I don't know if you watch much of the uh, ending credits, but like the ending credits for uh, the version I have, it's very like, It's like up, like as <laughs> zombies are just milling about them mall. <laughs> yeah, it like reminds me of the.
1: It reminds me of the song for the Blob at the end of the. Uh, oh in the blob.
0: right. Yeah, yeah. just it's so fun. Like, yeah. look at us having a. Good or like, time. whatever
1: happened to Baby Jane?
0: <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Yep. 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 Um yeah well there we go you know if nothing else it gave us a great uh, quote you know when there's no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth I, I, that, mm-hmm. I've that i always thought that was amazing I remember hearing that for the first time I, I, again I don't remember the first time I saw this movie I'm pretty sure it was like on some you know mm-hmm. sh- n- me public television show or whatever, whatever, like Fox, you know, again, I've talked about like movie matinee. I'm sure I saw it in something like that. Some highly edited version of it, uh, which again, sure. may color why I, I enjoy it. Cause I'm pretty sure I probably saw like a cut for television version that probably moved a little quicker. Um, so I didn't remember it being, uh, but again, I'm pretty open to a slow movie. So, uh, um, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't mind a little bit of meditative, uh, miss, um, but yeah, I do look forward to showing you the remake because I really, really enjoy it. I think it's gotten over, over the years. I think it's gotten a little bit of a kinder reading because it was part of that early 2000s, you know, remake Palooza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, with everything, every week it was, a, it was another remake. Uh, much like now, look at that, 20 years later. And again, yeah. we're in a remake or a requel um, world. Palooza, Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I really enjoy the remake, and I, I, I look forward to someday, uh, probably sometime next year, we'll we'll revisit and and watch that just so you can. You know, Ving Rhames is very lovely in that movie, uh, along with some of the other. You know, it, it's just it all. It's fun. It speeds up the zombies; they are fast. That's yeah. the thing. Mm-hmm. Then you know. Um, so yeah. Um, any other stray thoughts that you had while watching it? I think this is a good. Such a thing as stray thoughts. <laughs> this is a good
1: bridge to our conversation about zombies, and eventually leading into our larger uh, unit on for Black History Month. So, um, yeah,
0: overall yeah, a good, it, a, exactly. a good pick. Yeah, good. I'm glad, and I do hope, with nothing else, to decontextualize some of the other zombie properties. Cause I just don't think you can get away from neither living no. dead and dawn of the dead. I mean, they're just, they are so influential. Um, yeah. It's definitely, I think that would be my goal. Like if I was, you know, if an apocalyptic thing happened and it like killed a lot of people, I probably would head for a grocery store or like a Costco <laughs> quick though. You gotta do, you gotta be yeah. early. Cause I, you know, they're going to get raided really fast unless it's like Captain Trips and kills people really quickly like in The Stand which I also mm-hmm. just rewatched the uh 94 I think I talked about that on the last mm-hmm. I bet yeah I'm really feeling the apocalypse lately I don't know why <laughs> uh all right Joe well um I was really hoping that this would be a rewatch for you but that's okay doesn't have it we can't all be winners can all be winners, just ten out of you know two hundred can whatever <laughs> all righty uh, um well, we look forward to next week. uh, I'm excited because we're we do have some cool conversations coming up, and yeah, yay, love it. no, so, I just Joshua oh, I adore you. have a good. Day. I adore you too.